Hello guys and welcome to this very special episode, episode 26 of the Caged In podcast. This one is cited by many people I've spoken to about doing this podcast as their favourite Nicolas Cage film. It's the one and only 1997's Conair. This is also a special episode because it um, features a man who... I feel has wronged me and has wronged the good people, you, the fans of the Caged In podcast. Mr. John Cusack also is in this film, um, a man who's blocked me and in part blocked all of you in a sense on Twitter by, uh, and I feel like he's destroyed the lines of communication so we will not be able to get that much sought after interview but don't worry people I will march on and do the good deeds that I have to do all in the name of the caged in podcast so for those of you who haven't listened before in this podcast I'm watching every single Nicolas Cage film as if the name and the fact that we're 26 episodes in and it kind of aligns with this being the 26th film that he's done. But that doesn't matter. Um, I live by two simple rules on this podcast, and that is no distractions, no expectations, no distractions. Pretty self-explanatory. I do not pander to sins of technology or anything else, human interaction. No thank you. Um, I do not want to. I do not want to participate in your social media whilst I'm watching these films. I do not want to participate in any human interaction or conversation of any type, whether it be courier pigeon or smoke signals. You can stick it up your ass, um, and also have no expectations. So it may come as a shock to a lot of you that I've not actually seen this film. Not that I can remember, and if I have, I was way too fucking young to be watching it anyway. So, um, I've forgotten it. <laughs> and uh, that leads me on to that. So, if I don't know anything about the film, I'm not going to fucking read up about it. All I know about this film is it involves a plane, it involves some fire, it involves Nick Cage, John Cusack, and John Malkovich. How do I know all this? Because it's on the motherfucking DVD cover. So, anything else from that, I don't really know much about. I know a couple of things, like, Cage's got long hair, seen a load of gifts, but plot points, I know nothing. How it is done critically or commercially, I know nothing. For critical acclaim this film may or may not have received, I will tackle at the end of the podcast when I see how it has fared out there in the world whether it be Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, Metacritic, Roger Ebert, whatever scores I can get a hold on, I will let you know a nice little, even free, and then we will see if their scores, those those mighty giants of the internet, match those of mine, a lowly idiot of the podcast world. So that's enough kind of ramble chatting at the beginning. Get all the... All the all, all the housework 
has been done or the housekeeping has been done there's only one thing left to do and you'll fucking know what it is you should know by now it's to get raging with a cage feels like i've been awake for days watch a film starring nicholas cage could be shit or it could be fun valley girl face off an army of one Deadful Cornell, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass, and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Plasilavis, and I'm caged in. Yes, we are back. We have now watched Con Air, and I really fucking enjoyed it guys um oh, before we go into what the fuck happens in this film let's talk a little bit about the history not something i usually do on this but let's have a little look online just to see I'll give this film a little bit of context it came out on june 6th 1997 here in the united kingdom um Probably came out like a year before in the US. I know that's how things used to fucking happen with films. Now, obviously, living in this digital age, things come out roughly the same time. Um, what else we got? The budget for this film was 75 million US dollars and made a total of 224 million US dollars at the box office um it was directed by simon west and simon west's career looks a little like this the other films just a few that he has directed are the expendables 2 from 2012 the mechanic from 2011 lara croft tomb raider from 2001 wild card from 2015 the general's daughter from 1999 and one that looks very, very promising is Stolen from 2012. Also starring our main man, Slippery Nick Cage. <laughs> um, as you can tell by Simon West's uh, filmography, he kind of goes for just straight out kind of action films. And this is a Four floor, foot to the floor action film, just like from the get go. Like, <laughs> there is no real moral message to this film. It is just basically bang. This is what fucking happens. You got to deal with it. And I was happy to go along for the ride. It was an enjoyable breakneck speed of a ride. And I enjoyed every single last second of it so how does this thing kick off it kicks off with scenes of war scenes of army men and then you see that cage being like honored or something he's got he's got back from whatever conflicts been fighting and i'm not entirely sure it doesn't really paint a picture of what conflict it would have been but just paints out that nicholas cage's character is an army man and he's heading his way Back home to his sweetheart in Mobile, Alabama. Um, goes to meet his wife, which you find out very quickly that she's pregnant. Um, and straight away, 
there is conflict with some dickheads in a bar who are just giving him a bit of shit, being like, hey, out. I'll give my left nut to be with that lady. And he's like, well, she's my she's my woman. Back the fuck away. And very quickly, his wife says to him, like, I saw a glint in your eye of that man that you used to be. That kind of aggressive, angry man that kind of, I imagine she thought and he would have thought that the army would have kind of pushed out of him, would have got him to a place of being a bit more of a level-headed guy, a bit more regimented, some ideals, just kind of a bit more chilled, a bit more zen-like. Um, <laughs> during this scene, though, uh, <laughs> it's got the song, How Do I Live If Living with that, Without You? Um, I do, yeah, I'll play a little... I do, it, it doesn't matter, but yeah, find out that he's got a baby and these guys are kicking off and... Um, like, they kind of dance the night away, and then on their way out, the three guys from the bar jump them in the parking lot, and just this scene, uh, the, the, behind the parking lot, there's kind of just, like, some industrial works going on with, like, fire spitting out. It's like, where the fuck is this bar? Like, why, why is it on, like, some weird industrial complex? Or why is it next to some type of plant? Like, just not see that, don't know. I just found that quite funny. Uh... Uh, the guys jump him and he fucking goes hard. <laughs> he beats the shit out of them and fucking uppercuts a man to death, which is one of the best deaths I've seen in a film in a very long time. Just straight up, bang. And it's kind of the, yeah, the sound effect to it is great. It's like a big old crunch and he is dead. And you know that because... Some guy runs out of the bar and just kind of like looks and goes, he did. <laughs> um, we then see him in court and talking to his lawyer and his lawyer says to him, you're going to have to plead guilty for like manslaughter. It will be fine. Like you'll be fine. Don't worry. It'll probably, you'll probably serve like one year. The judge has very different ideas because Cameron Poe, this is like that's his name, okay? Cameron Poe is the name of our protagonist in this film. Is a deadly weapon because he had been trained in the army and had all that training and should know better. You know what I mean? Shouldn't like a like. There's always. There's, I'm not sure if it is a old wives' tale or like urban myth, but those of a black belt have to tell people that they're um that they're fucking deadly shit that they could take a man down. Um, but he should know better, so he gets seven to ten years in prison. Then we get a nice passing of time. We get him in prison, and we know that his uh, time is passing because his hair gets longer and longer, but this passing of time is shown by him writing and receiving letters from his wife, and then, as she gets older, his daughter, obviously... You see milestones in her life that he's missing, like her first day of school... Um, yeah, you kind of like it's, it's, it's you get that part of your time, which is pretty cool. Uh, prison that he's in looks fucking mental. Uh, there's like just kind of like fires going off everywhere, just fights going off. He just seems to be pretty calm in the middle. He's learning like like loads of different skills. He's learning origami. He kind, he kind of seems like he's having a fun time. He's doing like upside down press ups, which look fucking 
nuts, like, uh, yeah, like handstand press-ups. He seems to have a really lovely cellmate uh, who is played by um, Michael T. Williamson, who played Bubba Gump in Forrest Gump. So, um, yeah. Uh, I've also got down in my notes that uh, his voice is mental. Again, uh, it's not a Nicolas Cage film without him doing something crazy with his voice, but there's something about his Alabama accent that just uh, just kind of made me chuckle quite a lot. Uh, Yeah. Um, And then the day comes that he is going home. He has packing up his stuff and he's like tomorrow is the 14th of july you're released on the 14th of july and this is the first time i'm going to see you is a letter that he has received from his daughter and he is ecstatic um his cellmate not so much because he's getting moved from that prison to a new prison but hopefully it won't be as crazy as the one they have been in. Um, then we just get a scene of exposition by um, the US Marshals and DEA, who uh, we are shown the world of the US Marshals by John Cusack's character, Vince Larkin. And he is explaining about the prison plane that is jailbird that will take all of these criminals some of them hardened criminals like the worst of the worst the bottom of the barrel but our main man Cameron Poe is essentially just hitching a ride from wherever to wherever just to get home because he is out on parole um and then we see that an agent of the DEA is getting on the plane to extract some information. I don't, I couldn't really, I don't know if I followed it fully, but I couldn't tell who he was supposed to be extracting information from. There was a lot of dudes on this plane. Um, I don't know how they're going to let us know who they are. Oh, here rolls in the next scene where we get a little more of that lovely thing that we all love in films. Exposition. It happens that the DEA agent, like the head DEA, does not know who all these guys are. So it's a perfect moment for Agent Larkin to explain to him, well, in one, we have Billy Bedlam, a mass murderer. In two, we have Diamond Dog, played by Ving Rhames, who happens to be a kind of militant uh, African-American who has some really radical ideas and they make a joke about how um his plans and stuff like that and he's sold his story and they're looking for Denzel Washington to play him in the film and then we get um in free we have probably the best nicknamed villain of the piece well like yeah uh arrestee Cyrus the virus played by John Malkovich He is kind of a clinical serial killer who you should be wary of. Definitely, guys, he is not someone to be messed with. Then we have... Well, he's not actually given an introduction. It's only later on you find out his name. But we have Dave Chappelle's character is introduced, who is called Pinball. Pinhead. I I probably got that wrong. I think it's Pinhead. Um, We'll go with Pinhead. If I got that wrong, tell me. Oh, shit. (laughs) And then we get 
the amazing scene of Cameron Poe exiting the bus and his hair blowing in the wind, just like feeling that breeze. He's on his way home. He's getting ready. Um, and then there's a really cool shot of just a guy uh, carrying a load of handcuffs. I just uh, wrote that down in my notes because, yeah, I just thought it was, um, it was a cool shot. Uh, then we get some more exposition from the guard on the plane. As everyone is loaded on, we get him laying down the law. How this works. How does this plane work? If you fuck around, if you give us any lip, you get bagged and tagged. So you get... Tape over your mouth and a bag on your head and you shut the fuck up for the rest of the flight. He explains how they're flying into... um, ah, They're flying... I can't even remember the place. And watch this last night. They're flying into one place to pick up and drop off some guys and then they are moving on further on their journey. So we then get a scene of... The kind of the inmates kind of joshing each other and having a bit of back and forth. And we get an amazing line from Cyrus who talks to a guy called Johnny23. And he's kind of bragging about the fact that he's called Johnny23 because he's a serial rapist. And we all know that's a cool thing to brag about. Uh, who uh, The character is played by Danny Shajo and he says, if I had of... Uh, if they had known the truth, I'd be called Johnny 600, if you know what I mean. And then Cyrus the Virus delivers this line. I'm amazed I couldn't find a clip for this, but uh, here's the line anyway, because... Yeah, fucking... Such film hits such so hard in pop culture that would have thought, would have thought YouTube would have fucking handed me up nicely on this, but no... <laughs> His line, though, is, I despise rapists. For me, they're somewhere between a cockroach and that white stuff that accumulates in the corner of your mouth when you're really thirsty. But in your case, I'll make an exception. <laughs> Which is one of many of the genius like quips and one-liners in this film that just make it so fucking good. Um, I just want to quickly backtrack so not nothing anything to do with the story at all right now. But it will play a prevalent part later on to the film. Uh, when Cameron Poe was leaving prison, he had got a teddy of a bunny for his daughter. Um, that's that done. That's, yeah. We'll leave that alone because that does not come up <laughs> for a while. So we will leave that there um so uh, we then get that's it a brilliant moment of um vince larkin with a female agent by the window and she just remarks to him i hope anything doesn't go wrong and i just had that brief second of famous last words aren't they just those words you know shit is gonna go down especially because the front cover of this dvd is just um loads of fire and shit and it'd be pretty boring if it was oh they just got them to carson city i just remembered that that is the name of the place they are flying to they got them to carson city moved on and everything is fine but both cyrus and diamond dog seem to have 
pins tucked in their skin and they have got a plan and shit is going to go down. Pinball has string coming out of his mouth. He pulls pulls out this string and inside he's got a bag with a match and some lighter fluid. Very similar to that of Sean Connery in The Rock. He then pours the lighter fluid over the gentleman next to him and he's like, I hope you don't hold a grudge, Chief. Because if you yeah, if you survive this, I hope you don't hold a grudge. And just lights the fucking guy on fire. It's fucking crazy. Uh, so their plan is Cyrus and Diamond Dog escape from the help of Pinball. And that he gets out, he gets them out of their cells and they strong arm the plane. Cyrus manages to shoot two of the inmates and the co-pilot, because the co-pilot, well, well, during a struggle with the co-pilot, he shoots two inmates and then turns the gun on the co-pilot and shoots him in the stomach and delivers the line, welcome to Conair. And it was at this moment... Any any doubts I had had leading into this film, any any doubts I'd had in life were just a calm, soothing feeling washed over me as I thought, I'm fucking home, baby. This film is going to be great. I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to fear. Last night, I ate a large pepperoni stuffed crust pizza, drank fizzy drinks and watched Conair. What better way to spend a Friday night? <laughs> My Saturday, however, I got up nice and early with all the intentions to record this podcast, but I just sat about procrastinating for hours. I just don't know why I do that, because once I start recording, I find it really, really fun. Um, Probably because I record on my own, and I fucking... <laughs> I know I don't look at my phone throughout the watching of the film, but... Sorry, I'm just getting massively sidetracked here. So, now the kids have running the school, as it were. The cons are running the plane. It is 100% con air. First thing Johnny23 wants to do now that the, the pigs are out of the pen is to rape the female guard on the plane. And um, another brilliant line from cyrus is posed like this ain't fucking happening and cyrus says somewhere along the lines of can you fly johnny and he's like no well he's like you better keep your dick in your pants because if you try anything else i'm gonna throw you out of the fucking plane your dick then we have diamond dog explaining the plan a little bit more exposition for us that's what we need we just need whenever (laughs) whenever we whenever the plot seems to be like Something's gonna happen. Let's let's just explain it to the audience, guys. Um, and he explains that their plan is to drop off some guys at oh, I forgot Carson City, and then move on to live a life of extradition-free living with lots of boozing, lots of drinking, lots of drug. Lots of fun. Um, 
And they say they're going to meet up with a guy called Sedino, um, who's bankrolling the whole thing, who they will meet in... I fucking said it a second ago. Um, something City. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, Culver's... No, it's not that. It's because of a C. I oh, will fucking get to it at some point. Um, and then the DEA agent loses his shit and pulls the gun that he was not supposed to have on him from his sock and tries to take over the plane and that ends terribly for him he ends up getting blown away and then i've written in my notes that the score to this is fucking great it's kind of like a um I don't nine inch nailsy type thing um yeah it sounds a bit like this So they're going to need three guys to get off the plane. Uh, it happens to be that the three guys that were supposed to get off at Carson City have all been shot. So they need three guys to pretend that they are them. And um, Poe volunteers and he says, I'll go. His cellmate says he'll go as well because he is diabetic and he the syringe that he needed for his insulin has been destroyed so the tension is mounting up he's the guys uh cyrus and his band of merry men say his cellmate can't go because he is black and the guys that they needed to get off the plane are all white guys so that then puts poe in a difficult situation Poe's plan is to get off the plane and let the authorities know that this is all going down. He says to his says to his uh, cellmate, "Don't worry, they won't even get off the tarmac to f- continue flying the plane because they will know what the fuck is going down." I got it. I got it sorted. Um, then, when it comes to all the guys that are going to leave the plane, they take one of the guards, dress him up, and they realise that they are bagging and tagging all the guys. They are sellotaping their mouths and putting bags over their head. And it is at this moment Poe says, I can't do it because we know that obviously he can't he can't he can't fulfil his plan because he'd have his head bagged. They they fought this through. They won't unbag them until they're way gone um but when they are undressing one of the dead guys who is the dea agent poe notices that he had a voice recorder on him that had continually been recorded so that would have all of the information that the u.s marshals the DEA would need to know that this shit is going down and plants it on the guard so that when he is off the plane, hopefully they will get the tape in time and shit will go down and take down Cyrus and his goons. Um, Yeah, Poe says he'll stay. He says, I've got 15 years left in prison. So, like, I can't, I can't. I can't be doing, I can't, I've got less to lose. Like, these guys probably be able to get out sooner or whatever. Like, I don't, yeah, actually, I don't really see the logic because once they figure out that they're not the guys that they they are, even though they kind of 
move over their bracelets and stuff like that, I think after a while you would know that they are not the people they said they are. There must have been photos of these guys when they're checked into. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally this moment here. I'm I'm finding that. Yeah, it's definitely a flaw, but. Obviously, Cyrus and his men don't care because that does not figure out in their plan. But um, cops then are in Cyrus's cell and they notice that there is a kind of soft bit on the wall, almost like a Shawshank Redemption moment when they peel back that poster and find out things are not right. And at the exact same moment that this is happening, it is when they are at Carson City and all of the old inmates are being offloaded and the new guys are coming on. And we are getting some very, very helpful and some unhelpful new inmates that are helping the plan. One of them is Sedino, another is uh, Garland Green, who is played by Steve Buscemi, who just seems like a Hannibal Lecter, mother of all psychopath serial killers. And this is a great performance by Steve Buscemi in this film. And one of the guys is some old salty sea dog looking guy who happens to be a pilot. And the first thing he does is takes out the kind of transponder so that the DEA and the US Marshals when they eventually twig onto what is happening, they will not be able to track the plane. Um, Pinball, Dave Chappelle's character, takes the transponder because Cyrus and his goons are dressed up in the guards' uniforms. So as far as the police on the ground are concerned, they are the guys in charge even though they are in charge they are not the guys who are meant to be in charge and he takes the transponder and puts it on a little biplane which is something like dave's tours and dave's scenic tours and in this he starts talking to a lady who says oh you're not you're not in the right place it is coinciding with this scene as well that uh, Vince Larkin is in Cyrus's cell and finds a lot of documents that point into the fact that he has a plan upon that plane and that shit is going to go down. He finds a letter and a picture of the Last Supper with the eyes cut out and finds out that they conveniently lay upon top of the letter and spell out a secret code. And one of the words in there are Carson City. And then it's that moment he realises fuck shit is going down they do not have time to like yeah time is of the essence because the plane is going to take off at any moment and he says to the guys when he leaves the cell do not touch anything one of the dickheads decides i'll pick up this box that says do not open me he does it and the cell fucking explodes and it is marvellous to watch <laughs> this is what I want in my action movies I want fucking explosions I want guns I want I want it all and this film has got it in abundance um, so back to the plane they're thinking fuck we've got to go um, Cyrus notices from the back of the thingy because the guard is off in the bus and he has got the tape recorder and he is trying to get attention of the guards, and he's kind of like, like, 
really going for it. But the guards are like, fuck you, man. He just thinks he's a prisoner, smacks him in the stomach. And on that moment, the tape comes out, rolls down the bus and at the guard's feet and the bus stops. Cyrus is looking back like, oh, fuck, our jig is up. Let's get the fuck out of here. Pinball at the same time is trying to rush back because he can see that the plane is taking off he's been too busy chatting up this woman trying to see what's going on miss sweet fang um he's running back the plane is taking off the plane takes off vince was not quick enough to let the people at carson city know that shit is going down and cyrus and diamond dog are in control and we get a line um from one of the I think it's the head of the DEA who says to Vince, let's get this situation unfucked. Um, And then next up on my notes, we have that the US Marshals talk to Cyrus. They managed to speak to him over like the plane radio and ask him what his plan is. And he says, we're going to Disneyland. And he says he wasn't very happy about the fact that they had a DEA agent on the plane. Um, and then after speaking to the marshals, Cyrus then tells Poe their plan that they are going to fly to Lerner Airfield, move on to another plane and get the fuck out of here. Back to Vince, he starts to realise that they might have an ally on the plane in Cameron Poe because... He starts putting two and two together and says that Poe could have got off at Carson City. Why wouldn't he? The fact that he is a decorated army man and that he was in prison for essentially something that any agent could have could have potentially done. That it was kind of an unprovoked it was a provoked attack. Like, yeah. Um and stuff like that. And but the DEA is not in for it. He is saying, Fuck you. I don't believe it. I want to blow this motherfucking plane up. I've got the choppers on the way. We are getting the fuck out of here. We're going after it. We can see on the transponder where the fuck they are. They do not, though, know where they are. They know where Dave's scenic tours are, not where the lovely jail bird is heading. Um, this is his point back on the plane, so... We have um, old ragtag pilot is saying, we're not going as fast as we can go because the landing gear is not fully closed. It is a perfect time for a bonding moment between Poe and Diamond. They go down to have a look and it's very tense and Diamond's rummaging through all of the personal belongings that are in the hold and finds a lovely pair of sunglasses that belong to a new recruit on the plane who is a cross-dressing latina gentleman or latino gentleman who goes by the name of sally um they find out that stuck in the landing gear is pinball um he did not make it he is Looks to be frozen to death. Imagine the air pressure or just... He looks fucked, basically. But this is a perfect moment for Poe to write a message on 
pinball for Larkin to say, shit is going down, we are going to Lerner Airfield. Which brings me to my sometimes weekly feature of how does a Nicolas Cage film relate to Twin Peaks. So, I'll set the scene for you. We have the actor who plays Major Garland Briggs, a character who is very prevalent in season two of Twin Peaks and is also, despite the fact that the actor has passed away, his character is still very prevalent in The Return. That's what I'm going to leave it at. Um, Yeah, but... He is sat in the car with his wife complaining about bird shit on the window of their car. Unbeknown to him that what is falling from the sky is far worse than a simple bit of bird shit. His wife says to him, oh fuck. Or she doesn't say oh fuck, she says, oh honey, the light's changed, we better, we better get out of here. Probably should have left them still complaining because it's at that moment when they pull away that a falling Dave Chappelle lands upon the bonnet of their car, destroying completely the engine. The two front wheels are gone. So then by matter of getting her from wherever she was supposed to meet Cameron, they get Mrs. Poe to the... DEA US Marshal's office where Larkin is he has a chat with her and he is trying to figure out why Poe is doing what he's doing why he didn't stay on the plane or why he did stay on the plane what is his motives like she's like well I don't know um if you see him tell him I want to see him it'd be real nice um and then the phone call is interrupted because News has come in about the car accident with Pinball's falling body and the information is relayed to Larkin that there is a note for him on there and said you've got to get to Lerner Airfield because it says on the shirt. He tries to warn the douchebag uh, DEA agent and the US Marshals but they are not having any of it they're like no we are chasing the transponder and he's like no they have turned around like the transponder is probably not right and it is at that moment they um, turn up on Bob Scenic tours uh, all guns blazing like oh no this is not what we are looking for this is just some lovely tourists looking at some canyons um, and then back on the plane back on jail bird it is one of possibly the most famous scenes from this film when diamond had come up from the hold after um, them disposing of pinball he had some glasses on and he had said oh i got these from people's personal possessions down below and billy bedlam had had a look in his eye like ah. Okay, I've got I've got an idea here. I don't think everything of Cameron Poe is as meets the eye. So he goes down to have a little snoop around, followed by Poe. They have a bit of a scuffle which brings us to the most famous line from this film, which is put 
the bunny back in the box. <laughs> and then <laughs> Billy Bedlam finds that he had he was supposed to be released today and he's like, you're not who you're saying you are. They fucking fight and Billy Bedlam ends up getting impaled on a pipe. Um, Larkin cruises off to Lerner Airfield in the DA Douchebag's car, which has the number plate A-Z-Z-K-I-K-R. Ass kicker. Um, He turns up and he finds out that the guy in the tower has had his throat slit. Um, Things aren't right. He's hidden the car so he can go there incognito undetected um because that there's no one in the tower there is a bit of a rough landing with jailbird and they are down everyone is fine and diamond straight away everyone's getting off um garland green just disappears off into nowhere and um befriends a small girl who is having a tea party and it is quite a weird disturbing scene um but Poe says to his cellmate like well, I've got to get you off here there might be a first aid kit or something on the airfield we'll get you sorted he's like I can't move like I really need this insulin if I move I could die and he says don't worry I'll get you sorted I will come back for you and then Poe finds that diamond dog wants to shoot all the guards and all the policemen and he's posted him. I don't think that's a good idea to do that because this is the only bargaining chip we have. What if Sandino double crosses us? Then what? We have no hostages. We are out here high and dry. We are fucked. Cyrus overhears this and says, yeah, let's go with Poe's idea. He's, um, He's quite an intelligent guy. He seems to really like him, which is probably a good thing, but don't really want to befriend fucking mass murderers. And then they decide to go to plan B because the plane isn't there. They say to get a refueling truck and to dig the plane out of the dirt. Um, Poe goes looking for a refueling truck and instead of that bumps into san dino's men who are kind of mexican or like colombian drug cartel looking guys very stereotypical like hawaiian shirts sunglasses on even though they're indoors um they have a bit of a scuffle larkin gets involved they take them out luckily there were silenced pistols involved because nobody else is alerted um (laughs) and it there is a amazing moment when um there's kind of a standoff between Larkin and Poe and Poe says uh, Larkin says to him are you gonna like drop your gun and he's like no there's only two men I trust and you're not one of them <laughs> and then um he explains to him why he is doing what he's doing. He says, I cannot leave my friend behind, like he's an innocent guy. I have vowed to save him to get his insulin shot and I'm not gonna go out like that um and then there's an emotional moment about his wife and child and he said how he'd met them and uh then says i'm going off to save the fucking day um the plane is pulled out 
Poe is further scouting out the place. And then we get a scene of Garland Green singing he's got the whole world in his hands with this tiny girl. And there's kind of this underlying tension that he is going to murder her. And it is very, very tense and unsettling, at least. Um, Then Sandino comes out of a like little hut in his plane and is trying to take off trying to double cross all these guys um but he these plans are stopped with larking moves a crane down in the way of the plane the plane hits a gas station gas is going everywhere um cyrus comes over with old billy big bollocks plane driver and takes his cigarette out of his mouth and the moment that Sandino is trying to explain himself he says sigh and before he can finish his line Cyrus ends it with Anara. Sayonara throws the cigarette at him and boom the place goes up in flames. Sandino is ablaze. He is brown bread and the gas station goes to explode, giving Poe a brilliant moment where he runs through a gas station, dives out the window just in the nick of time, and lands under a car where there is a old man who has just been hiding out, who must have worked at the airfield, and is like, oh man, I really, really don't want to do this. And Poe asks him where he can get a syringe, he's like, no, no, fella, drugs aren't the way. And he's like, no, it doesn't explain. But he's like, I just need to get one. He's like, well, there might be one over a first aid kit at the across the uh, across the airfield in a fire ambulance. So Poe is on his way to do that. Um, Cyrus lands lay, lays out his plan to the rest of the ragtag band about what they're going to do, about how they're going to, through the kind of junkyard strip of the airfield, are going to kind of bottleneck all of the army who are slowly but surely, clo- or, or the US Marshals and DA who are closing in, they're going to kind of bottleneck them in this area and they are going to deaded them. Um... <laughs> And then their plan goes into fruition. They say to take out the final car and the first car, and then they will have a nice little tunnel of death. Um, Then chaos in shoes. Uh, Poe heads to the plane because he's got the syringe. Uh, Larkin gets inside of a... like a dump truck thing, like like a kind of, yeah, plough or something like that. He's helping out the... US Marshals and that, people getting mowed down left, right and centre, it's fucking amazing, it is carnage, it is just what you want, and in all this chaos, what does Johnny23 decide to do, what would you decide to do in this, he's like, oh everyone's everyone's busy, that's it, he decides to go back and rape the guard, because he is a piece of shit, um luckily for the guard, <laughs> And unluckily for Johnny23, Poe is there in the nick of time, attacks him, uh, gets him thingy, switches positions with the guard, so he is now handcuffed inside of a cell, and she is out and about to do as she wants. He gets his friend the insulin, the 
play then the uh, prisoners all run back onto the plane which they have fi- they find out that was tied up by someone to a pillar and Cyrus spots it and shoots the like pillar that is uh, shoots the plane free and the hook that is on the fucking hell this is a lot going on right now but uh, the rope that is coming out of the plane has a hook on the end which manages to grab onto the car that belongs to the douchebag DEA agent and is swooped up into the air and is flying along with the plane and uh, there's a brilliant moment where uh, uh, Poe says something along the lines of well on on any other day that would be an unusual sight to see but today I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not surprised in the slightest. And uh, Malloy, who's the name of the douchebag DEA agent, is not happy because that is his pride and joy. That is his car and it is now lands right beside them and is fucking wrecked. Um, Diamond finds a note that says that today was the day that Poe was supposed to be released. Moments before this, um, Cyrus had shot his cellmate, almost making the whole plan to save him almost redundant. But does he die? That is the question. At this moment, once he delivers this ama- that amazing line of the bunny, yeah, don't move or the bunny's next, um, the choppers turn up. But there is conflict between the two choppers because one of them is Malloy and one of them is Larkin. Larkin very much wants to save the plane, does not want to blow it out of the sky. Whereas Malloy's plan is to just fuck it. They're all criminals, let's just kill them anyway. The casualties will be far less if we just kill all these motherfuckers. So there is a standoff between whether... Like, Larkin's helicopter keeps getting in the way of Malloy's, so they cannot shoot them out of the sky. But shots are getting fired, people are getting mowed down. Um, In all of the chaos, Poe manages to get into the cockpit and locking all the gates behind him, leaving Cyrus furious. He grabs the pilot and tells him, I'm in charge now, land this motherfucker. And the pilot says, that's kind of good anyway, because one of the engines is fucked. And it happens to be that they are right above Las Vegas. And they are going to have to land or crash, for a better word, because one of the engines is fucked. But they are going to go down. They will not be able to make the airport. Um, Poe has the line. I feel like... um, Nicolas Cage has almost thing written into his contract that there has to be some type of Elvis reference in some films where he can get it in because he says, well, viva Las Vegas. Um, 
and he like has so much joy in his face as he does it um the plane is bur- like burning on down to go onto the vegas strip i feel like oh, i feel like i'd had enough vegas from watching leaving las vegas i feel like it's left me dirty i feel dirty just even looking at those bright lights of that sin city um and then it is going down it's losing wings it is burning it down the strip and (laughs) there is a brilliant gag where over the tannoy of a hotel the the concierge whoever says the owner of the white corvette can you please move it otherwise it will be towed it does not need to worry about any of that the far worst thing it needs to worry about is, is the plane hurtling down the street that is going to destroy it anyway um cyrus then threatens as they are about to oh well as the plane is about to stop Outside the hotel, Cyrus threatens Poe that the last thing his daughter will know is the smell of his horrible breath. Um, And then a propeller flies through the plane in between them and you are unsure whether either of them or any of them survived. Um, you see that Poe is alive. You see that his friend is still alive. He's holding on. The one of the guards is trying to like look after them. And then you are left with who the fuck? Where the fuck are the pilot? Where is Diamond Dog? And where is Cyrus? Um, Johnny is very much dead. With a very uh, good gag, where like, well, I guess he's dead. And as they move his body, his arm is still handcuffed. Poor way to go out, you fucking dirty rapist. Um, Poe says his goodbyes to the guard, and it's kind of a like nice farewell. She kisses him on the cheek, and she's like, "You got." go on your way do what you gotta do what you gotta do but it's in that moment that poe spots that cyrus has got out and has commandeered a fire truck and is hurtling away from the scene so what is it for him to do it's for him and larkin to get on some police bikes and pursue and things just get crazier they are hurtling down they're going through the city of las vegas there is kind of um poe ends up hurtling his bike into diamond dog and takes him down he then hangs on to the uh, ladder that is hanging off the back of the fire truck all while cyrus is trying to poke him in the hand with a big old spike trying to get him to get off and or just kill him i guess (laughs) he and um larkin while this is happening is going down the side manages to get on the top and is trying to get into the cab of the truck and yeah tell the driver to fuck off he axes his way through the top the driver then acts erratically uh fills the uh then larkin fills the cab with water obviously it being a fire truck <sighs> poe managed fucking hell, I'm, I'm rattling through this sorry guys um poe i'm just trying to remember everything that happened like 
even though I watched this film last night, it's that a lot of fucking happens in an hour and 47 minutes, I tell you that. They don't drag it out like a lot of modern films do. Um, Poe manages to stab Cyrus in the leg, um, getting on top, and then they end up crashing, I believe, the fire truck, and Cyrus flies off in some kind of Rube Goldberg, Berg style like one thing setting off another ends up moving on and gets his head crushed under a like pneumatic pump thing um Poe and Larkin are friends Poe remarks that there was only two men I can trust there is now free he gets his bunny he goes to meet his wife he goes to meet his child for the first time there is a kind of emotional moment even though the daughter does not look happy that much about it she kind of looks a bit trepidatious and then we get the final scene of a gentleman rolling the dice in a casino and it is garland green steve buscemi and he is on the loose and then cue And then that is it. That is the end of the film. Left on a cliffhanger to know, to not know how many people is Garland Green going to murder now he is free and looks like he is winning big in Vegas. Um, so now we know what happens. Now more on to a bit of my opinions of the film. As I said, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I had a fantastic night watching it. Um, this is everything. Yeah, this is definitely... I was a lot more bored with this one, I reckon, than The Rock. Um, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like my disposition to dislike Michael Bay is part of that. Um, I don't know. And I think the fact that there were so many glaring potholes in that one that I just couldn't, I just couldn't ignore. Whereas this was just kind of meat and potatoes action and i don't know, it had a like it had people who are fucking great at like what they do like cage was amazing john malkovich was fantastic ving rames steve buscemi even the uh man who leaves a salty taste in my mouth every time i utter his name now John Cusack <laughs> I'm obviously only messing uh, I love John Cusack High Fidelity is one of my favourite films um, probably because I'm a vinyl collecting nerd and can relate to that character in some senses I'm not a complete arsehole like him um, but yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it now to see what the lovely people of the internet have to say and the free scores we have are imdb which gives it a 6.8 out of 10 and then rotten tomatoes giving it 56 percent and finally roger ebert 3.3 out of 4 sorry 3.4 um is there any quotes i can get from roger ebert on this oh his review is 
pretty long. I just wanted a kind of snap shot, but that is okay. Um, I know this film, though, has a lot of cult following, and it is a lot of people's favourite Nicolas Cage film, and I must admit, it is definitely up there as one of mine of the ones I have seen so far. Um, I guess when I get to the end, I will probably do like some type of top five or top ten of the films I have watched, but as of so far, this will definitely be going in at either a strong one or two. I'm not sure if I preferred this or red rock west i think obviously this one is out there in the zeitgeist a bit more and people talk about it and revere it as just being an amazing film whereas red rock west i had the true joy of not knowing anything about it um yeah which is always a always something that fun whilst in this podcast is getting to experience in those films that i know nothing about um but I guess I guess that's it for this week. Um, obviously, next week we will be looking at Face Off, which I, I believe may be from the same year, maybe the year after. Let's have a little look. Face. Oh, you can't write face into Google without Facebook coming up. No, I want to know Face Off. What year? Also from 1997. So this was definitely a good year for Nicolas Cage. Two massive blockbusters. Um, I would say that the kind of stage of his career we're in at the moment, I'm kind of calling it like the golden mile. The kind of big summer blockbusters. Like some could argue his most fruitful years in quality as well as just interesting and good performances and yeah there's a lot of ones that I'm looking forward to um but yeah definitely tune into the next episode where we'll be talking about face off so as always guys I've been your host Petrus Patsilavus I've been caged in you've been rad bye This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.